Hi, my loves. Welcome back. I hope that you are enjoying April. I hope that you're feeling good and staying well. Um, for those of us on the East Coast, um, I hope that you are spending a little bit more time outside in the outdoors since the weather has been getting a little bit warmer and it just puts me in a better mood. So I hope that it is helping you as well. Um, today we have the second episode to our Earthling series, which is very exciting. I'm sitting down with someone who I have looked up to and admired in the food space. And I'm super thrilled to be putting out this episode with Tara Thomas. I followed Tara a few years back during her peak chef cooking days and was always left so inspired by the recipes and information that she was putting out into the world. Tara is a chef, food consultant, and founder of Breaking Bread NYC. Tara is extremely passionate about the importance of food equity, and this is something that we're going to be getting into a lot of in today's episode. Given that it is Earth Month, I think that this topic is extremely important and that should always be had and that we should always be thinking about. Um, As humans and citizens of the world, it is vital that we address the issues that many face, not only across the globe, but even in our own communities. And so we're going to get into that a little bit more. During this conversation, Tara shares her story of how she got started, beginning with, of course, her passion for food and cooking and experimenting to where she is today. And that is working at the Phoenix Community Garden in Brooklyn. And we speak more about her initiative with Breaking Bread NYC. And I hope that this conversation leaves you inspired with ways that you are single-handedly able to support your community, whether it is by providing your time, your resources, or if you can, even money. So without further ado, we're going to get into that episode and I hope that I can see you guys soon. Okay, but quick message from our sponsors before we head into our episode. As some of you may or may not know, I really do not drink alcohol, mainly for the reason because alcohol really bloats me and makes me uncomfortable and I hate that feeling. So I am staying away from it and I'm always looking for non-alcoholic alternatives, mainly something that I can slowly sip on in social settings and make fun drinks out of. So it's been a fun journey. But with that, I'm so excited to share that our Earth Month series is actually sponsored by our friends over at Seedlip. So Seedlip is the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirits on a mission to change the way the world drinks by connecting people to the wonders of the natural world. So crafted from the highest quality globally sourced spices, herbs, citrus, and barks, each expression celebrates the vast range of flavor that nature provides. So we have Aromatic Spice 94, Herbal Garden 108, and Citrus Grove 42, which is my personal favorite, um, all of which have no alcohol, calories, or sugar. So you simply can top it with a splash of tonic or bubbly water or use it as a base for more complex recipes. So Seedlip is designed for that cocktail experience and makes crafting non-alcoholic drinks super easy at home. So if you are someone who does not drink alcohol or even someone that does and want to try it out, we have a special code for Lemon Water listeners. So use code LEMONWATER at checkout for 10% off your first order. So we'll speak a little bit more on Seedlip later on, but now to our episode. Hi, Tara. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing well. I am staying cozy and I am so grateful to be here with you, Michelle. I'm so excited. But for those of you listening who don't know who Tara is, Tara, why don't we give them a little intro about yourself? My name is Tara and I am living my soul's purpose. Um, and I do that through food um, as a vehicle. One, I am a chef and a consultant in the food space and um, an organizer. And my career life purpose has kind of like pivoted in the last year. And I mean, pivot in the direction of like, I feel like I've jumped like 10 years ahead in my life somehow. Um, like I was doing a lot more like events with brands before and then obviously pandemic hit and um, I was kind of like left to kind of like be like, who am I? What is my purpose? And like, I'm so passionate about food. I've always cared about it my whole life and um, just kind of moving in the direction of being a farmer. I'm currently an urban farmer as well in Brooklyn and um yeah yeah we are going to get into all of those things that you mentioned um so let's start with your journey and the very beginning like let's talk about life in portland where is which is where you're from let's talk about how you got into food um i know you were always passionate about it but you never thought that it was going to become a job for you at some point. So let's talk about that. Like life in Portland before life in New York, <laughs> where yeah. you are now. So I lived in Portland until August of 2018. Um, I moved to New York when I was 20 and I spent from six month old baby Tara till then in Portland, Oregon. And my mother is white. She's from the Netherlands. My father is black. He's from Louisiana and father's a military. So he moved a lot, but I only moved once and um, we landed in Portland and my family really loved it because we, both my parents grew up around a lot of nature and on farms and that space just felt very open still. The West tends to be like that, you know, just like it's that manifest destiny. There's more space for people. Um, and I kind of grew up in the suburbs around Portland and um, then always thought I was going to be, I always had like major dreams for myself as a child and like always wanted to be a leader um, and somebody who could make people feel valued and inspired. And, and then I always thought I was going to be like a scientist or something. Um, I mean, I think I am a scientist now. Science. I think anyone who works in food is a scientist. Yes, uh, absolutely. I think like, yeah, I think science is so like such a spectrum. So I totally agree. Um, But I've always had like a huge passion for like the environment and people and like having like true compassion. I mean, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Like it's one of the most like hippie states, if you want to say, just in the way that we are educated in the school system there is very much like centered around like being eco-friendly and that's like a privilege. And then 
I like got through school and whatnot. And then I started going to university to science, to, to study. I went to university to study civil and environmental engineering. And I didn't feel much purpose there, like really being in that place of like, Hey, like you're going to be like an engineer and like work for these companies and like destroy the environment, but like make it do it in like a nice way. I wasn't really, I, that didn't feel like that was my like soul's purpose. I always had like bigger dreams of like creating like spaces for people and creating opportunities for one another that actually were environmentally friendly, eco-friendly, um, uh, compassionate spaces. And I decided to just like take a break from that. And that was three years ago. Was that after like first year or second year? Like how, how long did you go through schooling? Yeah. So second year. So that was, wow, four years ago now. Um, and then, you know, family, my father was like, this like you're such a smart black woman you're doing so good at school like you need to continue and just push through it and my mom she has her own business too and I've always been kind of influenced by her um just like being like super independent and like she oh my god you should talk to my mom she is uh she works in the wellness space as well she um she only has an associate's degree but she has like so many um, like credentials around. She works with um, older adults and like wellness in the aging space. Um, so like exercise medicine, like prevent preventative medicine, which is super important when you get older. It's super important right now. Yeah, right now, like as like a twenty three year old, like this is when we start just destroying our bodies. You know, because we're like overworking ourselves. We are. Like, you know, like we're not working for ourselves. And then you get to a certain age. It's like my mom says, it's like where people are like, fuck, like I did, didn't do anything for so long. Suffering from all these lifestyle diseases because I never valued my life. And um, I went vegan. Oh my God, this is a part of my story too. I'm vegan. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a plant-based chef. And this is like why I do this also. Damn. Um, so. Yeah, my mom was very like, yeah, do what you want. Like, you know, like you're going to find yourself and all that. So I went vegan when I was 17. um, And I've always like loved cooking and eating my whole life. But veganism really changed the way that I saw food and like my creativity with it, where I felt more of an like authority space with my food and like more agency and like really learning about food and deep diving into it. And um, being in Portland, um, where it is a very vegan, like friendly space. I really didn't really like it as much as people talk about how they love it because it felt very, like there's a lot of appropriation in the food space there, you know, like quinoa and goji berries and like tough flour, all these things. People were never talking about where they came from and that if they were ethical or not. And like, like cacao and like all these tropical fruits. And I really wanted to like deep dive into like, okay, these things, like we can't grow any of these things in Oregon. Like where are these coming from? How are these affecting the communities? And um, nobody really cared there. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. They just, they just wanted the benefits. Yeah. They wanted the benefits and 
people didn't really care there when I would like talk about it and try to integrate it into like my work. I feel like I'm being so everywhere with this. Who cares? I know. Nothing <laughs> is linear. Who cares? It's, it's all circular. It all come together. But like nobody cared there. So yeah, so I dropped out. Of, I didn't. Okay, I technically dropped out of school. I took a break and I um, found, I was like, I'm just going to like figure out what I want to do. And like a month after like, you know, into like summer, I was like, I want to be a chef. Like I want to be a chef. I want to work in the food space, but I want to do it in like a creative way. Um, because that's kind of when like social media was like really like booming and like the wellness space more. And there's more like influencers. And obviously I was inspired by that. Um, mm-hmm. and I what year was this? What year was this? 20 i mean i think that was was booming before the myth what, what what year was this 2017 okay okay i have an idea of like the influencers at that mm-hmm. time yeah yeah <laughs> so like i wanted to create my own like virtual space where i can like express my food space and my beliefs and my thoughts and whatnot um and I started being a private chef for a family and they were like, um, it was so beautiful. They were an Indian family and I learned so much about Indian cooking because they're like grandmothers would always come and like be like, I want to teach you this. Um, and so many were related to like the cooking styles that like my father has taught me from um, my black side and just like Cajun cooking. It really felt like I was like putting together like kind of like the stories like and like how like we're connected through that experience. And I also was um, like running my like started my first business there where I was doing catering for events with like different brands Um and like connecting with like the food space there. And I started doing some consulting there too, because people are like, how do you make things taste like that? And then like companies and people would be like, Hey, can you like come like, do you want to come on to this project or whatnot? Um, and then I was like, and you knew that you had to like, being that young too, and getting all these offers, like it's a very, you say that you jumped 10 years, but even what you're talking about right now is what sometimes a lot like people wait 10 years before they get to even that stage and you were doing it right away. So you knew, you knew how to be like that business driven and like, I have to charge for these services. Like I'm not going to be exploited. Yeah. My mother, like my mother is such like a badass where she does not take any shit. Like she's a Pisces. So, you know, um, so she, she really influenced me and really helped me build my business. And like, I thank her so much for that because I'm able to like help my other friends now that like, since then, like I'm, most of my friends have their own businesses and stuff. So like, I feel like I'm really able to like help them in the way that my mom has like learned over the past like 20 years. So like I got her like 20 years of knowledge and now I'm like, it really helped me jumpstart. And I'm so thankful for that. And um, I just decided also then I was like, I'm going to move to New York in a year. Um, and I actually was feeling kind of pressure to go to school because my father was like, well, you need an education if you want to be a chef and all this. He's like, I know you're a good cook and like you have, you're getting all this like kitchen experiences with people, but like you need to like go to school, which I wasn't keen to like I even was like pressured to go to university because my family's like you're in the top whatever at your school you need to go to university I was like I don't know what I want I was like I know I want to change the world 
so do civil engineering and environmental <laughs> engineering. And I was like, like, do you really need a degree to change the world? No. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. Unless you need it. If you feel like you want to study it, go ahead. But I don't think anybody needs a degree to change the world. You need like whatever you feel brings you joy to change the world. You need passion. You need passion. Passion. Absolutely. So with passion, I, um, I was doing that, but then I felt a little pressured by my father to go to school. So I started doing plant lab. Do you know about plant lab? I have looked it up. Yes. It is a vegan chef school. Yes, it was a vegan plant school. And I did a couple online things. Was interesting. I learned some things, but I never, I felt like all of that information was accessible. I felt like, you know, I felt like all the information is accessible. Like the internet is so expansive. I was like, oh, like you can find all this information on YouTube and then you just have to like, put your energy into it, you know, like you just have to do it yourself. Um, so I did a couple courses and then I was like, I'm going to go to the New York school. Um, and I wasn't fully like, I didn't love all the recipes. I would change some of the recipes too. I was like, these aren't like my vibe. These feel very, it's still centered around like French culinary school, which is its own problem itself. And like the food, space and colonization um and that really made me passionate about researching food because the way that we would learn about ingredients was veganism and like what and like how amazing plants were but they never really talked about like where veganism came from and where like plant-based eating came from and like the different indigenous groups that are responsible for like the cultivation of all these ingredients. We never talked about that and I was like this is still rooted in like the white supremacy and I was like really passionate about like just like uncovering food and like really getting deep into it. So that's what I didn't love about it. And that's what was kind of like hindering me from like fully enjoying the experience. Um, so then fast forward. Did you, during your schooling, did you ever bring these concerns up to like the, the educators and the instructors? Well, I was doing the online one at, the first two and there wasn't really like a connect much with with the educators like they were just kind of like oh she did the work cool um it was like less conversation which wasn't great um but then I was gonna do the the in-person one like finish I was gonna like finish everything like do all these different um focuses with like the cooking, the raw, and the and the pastry program. I was going to do like all their programs and finish them in person. And I'm on my flight to New York, August 27th, 2018. And I'm like on my layover from Portland to Utah before New York. Um, and I get like a message from like one of the girls that was going to be in my class like we all like followed each other on instagram we got like a list of everyone and like we just kind of followed everyone and they were like did you hear that the school is going bankrupt and i was like literally while you're on the way <laughs> literally why the fuck i'm coming to, work, to new york and i was like and they these girls were crying and i was just like why am i not sad i was like why why am i like 
why do I feel free right now? I was like, you internally knew that you wanted nothing to do with this. (laughs) I was like, I just don't, I was like, I don't know. But I was also like, what the fuck am I doing in New York? Like, you know, I worked really hard that year, like working my ass off and I saved like a good chunk of money where I could like really just focus on school and making sure that like I could live and like do whatever um, to create like a fulfilling experience for myself. And um, I was like, okay, like now I have like time, like now I have time, like that's where my value is right now. And I had like worked so hard in Portland that I was like, I'm just going to take a month off and like pretend like I'm just living my life in New York. And like, I knew nobody there. Um, so many of the people who went to, who were going to school, like moved back home. A lot of them, like nobody really lived there. They were just like, I'm just going to go home. Um, so I didn't really know anybody. And I just was like tasting food, walking around the city, hanging out enjoying life. Um, and then if, yeah, I went to Copenhagen for a while and then I came back and like really like moved in, like signed a lease here. And I like, was like, all right, you are going to like start a new business here where you're going to like continue doing consulting and like event production and whatnot. And, um, I did that for my first year and it was like, obviously like rough, like having a, your own business and like living in New York, it's like a rough experience, but that's New York. Um, and really making sure that I was like networking with people that I was inspired by. And um, how did you do it? Like you moved to a city that's so big and there is so much opportunity, but you did not know anyone. And the food scene is like so big. How did you know where to start? Like, what were you doing? What was I doing? Um, <laughs> I, I'm like laughing because like that was like such a rough year in my life. And I've been like really reflecting on that, especially during Corona. And like now I was. Also, I haven't heard someone say it as like Corona in so long. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is, that is also another traumatic year after that one just putting it on and reflecting yes (laughs) I so what I was really just like networking like reaching out to small businesses and like people and other like chefs in the food space that I was inspired by by other black brown and people of color like in like queer chefs um, just like reaching out and just like having conversations with people and like talking with them. Um, and then like, you know how New York works, like you enter the webs and then you start working with different folks who are like, I think you would like work well with them and like working on different projects with them. I worked with, um, did a pop-up at a cafe and uh, called domicile that's no longer open in bed I did that for a while and then I actually um met a friend of Kai's there and she was like hey my friend's like looking for a person for this thing and I was like oh cool 
And then we got connected there. And then we started doing some events at Sincerely Tommy's space. Um, and then like working on like the bigger eatery project about later on in that year. But that's been on pause right now because of Corona. Um, but it's like <laughs> so all of these things so it's like one by one you were meeting the right people and just putting it like it was all these opportunities came from the networking and also knowing one another and that sense of community that you had mm-hmm. yeah just yeah like just building community through kindness really you know just like genuinely like having these conversations um having conversations about like food and who I am and like my story, but also like what I want to do with food in the world. Um, And that year was like so much commercialized where I was just like working with more like brands on food things, which I really enjoyed, but I was like obviously yearning for much more. Like I've always dreamed of like, I want to have a farm someday and I want to like, I don't know, like decolonize the fucking food space. Cause it's, there's so much slavery that, that it's, it's slavery is more than ever now. And like, people don't talk about it. It's talk about slavery as if it's the past or something behind us. And like, I'm just like, there's so much of that still involved in our, our systems. And I've always been like passionate about it, but it didn't really matter when you're working with like these bigger brands and whatnot. They're like, yeah, just like put some pretty food on the table and like, let's call it a day, you know? Um, and then Corona hit and I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm not like all my work got like thrown out for like months. Like people were like canceling cause they're like, well, we can't have like events. Um, and I got an email from my community garden, Phoenix community garden and, uh, in ocean Hill, it's like on the cornerstone of like ocean Hill, Brownsville and Bed-Stuy. Um, and they're like, hey, we need volunteers. And, like, I've always been like, yeah, I'll volunteer, but, like, had never had any time for that. Or I was too tired on the weekends to even, like, go do that. And I started going. Um, and it was, like, life-changing because I had, like, time for myself. And I, I had so much time for myself that I was, like, I'm just going to spend a lot of time here. And I was going there, like, four days a week at least like I was been like four to six hours or eight, eight hours or ten hours there just like doing what needed to be done like weeding um turning the soil cleaning up a bit um were you getting taught this or it was kind of just like this is what you need to do go do it because it is like for someone who's never worked with the soil before like there's stuff mm-hmm. that you need to learn like how to yeah I, actually my parents are like pretty they're gardeners. They're like people, they both grew up on farms. So like at home, that was kind of like a ritual on the weekends to like garden and work in the ground and whatnot. But I don't know. I was young where I was like, I'm too busy for that. Like as I got older, like I really loved it. But um, then coming to Phoenix, it was a lot of like, there was direction, but I felt that like the things that I've learned from my parents really were coming through and like stuff from environmental engineering and like, just like focusing on environmental science, like, for a long time. Oh my God, there's a beautiful bird singing outside. I know. It is. I can hear it. So it was pretty much a, it was a really, it was a full circle moment for you. Like everything you've learned, like from different areas, kind of just like you were able to apply it effortlessly. 
Yeah, it felt like that. I was like, this is weird. Like, I, like, I really, oh, I mean, like, I, I felt very, yeah, it was a very full circle moment where I was like, oh, like, this isn't as challenging as I thought it was going to be. This is actually easier than anything that I feel like I've done. This feels like more intuitive and like, I'm, I have like a purpose. And there was really like a, there was an energy there. It was like, we need to, like, I, like, we know Corona's hitting and we know they're telling us to stay inside, but like, we really need to like, work on this land for our community because people depend on this food. Like people really do depend on this food and we just have to be safe. And fortunately we're outside where it's safer than being indoors. So I felt very obligated to, because a lot of the community members were elders also. So they were just like really reaching out for people who are younger, who were as much of a risk to really do the work. And I think that's evolved beautifully. Like I met so many like folks like peers you know that are like within like the gen z millennial um like space who are just like coming out here because everyone just enjoys food like you meet i've met so many different types of people that i would have never felt like i've met in new york like with the like the people that i was surrounded by before like so many different age ranges so many different demographics so many different career paths but like we all enjoy food and we all care about food, not just any food, but just sovereignty with it, like healthy food. We care about the soil. We want to make sure that make sure that there's access to food in the neighborhood um, and like creating these green spaces in, in Brownsville, which is the most food apartheid area in New York, you know? So it felt really powerful and like a lot more purpose. And I was like, wow, like this is actually what I've been wanting to do. And like now um, I'm on my second year being an urban farmer um, in the apprentice program. Um, and like really just like learning about how to like cultivate things and like just being in like, I went there right in the springtime where like now we're like starting to pull weeds and like, they're not weeds. They're all herbal, you know? So like last year I was like, I don't know what to do with like this mugwort and this cleaver. Like we would pull it. And now I'm like, now I'm prepared now. Cause I'm like, okay, I know what these things are good for. I want to make like tinctures or I want to make powders or things like that and share that with my community. Cause they're just coming out of the ground and they're going to be composted or like thrown away anyways. Um, and then going into summer, we're learning about like planting and turning the soil and sowing seeds. And then um, I really hopped into the farm stand in the summer, which we do a farm stand and um, we do a farm stand every Saturday. Um, And because I'm a chef and I guess, and I know different purveyors. I mean, I'm not a chef, I guess. I am a chef and I have... You are a chef. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) I'm a chef. Sorry, if you didn't know, I'm an Aquarius, so I'm very, like, dissociated from, like, my body sometimes. I'm like, I'm a chef, I guess. I'm like, I'm a spirit. I don't know. So... Yes, I'm a chef and I have connections to incredible purveyors that I work with and love and like like to bring in for different events that I do. And um, the farm stand, because of, you remember last year when like the grocery stores were like cleared and there was nothing, people didn't have flour or anything. It's like so weird to think about now. Um, it's, um, it's like, it's weird to think about on so many different 
pillars because it's weird to think about that we went into this mindset like people really went into this mindset that there wasn't going to be a tomorrow yeah it was a very toxic preservation it wasn't like a preservation that was regenerative it was very like let me preserve myself by being like selfish and let me have a full pantry stocked from top to bottom let's clear out the shelves because I'm the only person that matters here. Absolutely. And that's, it's so toxic. And I felt like at the garden, it kind of like just having that space, I felt like there was less of that and more of like a communal energy where it was like, Hey, like I, like I got you. We have it. We have one another, like this food is to share. This food is for us. And like, you know, we just grow this and you don't have to buy it unless you're not a member and you're just the farm. And if you need the food, we're not going to make you buy it. You know, it was like a totally different experience. It's something that I felt like I've only dreamed about. I mean, like, oh, someday on a commune, you know, like we're going to grow bok choy and share it with everyone, you know. That's that someday. And I think that's um, something, a lot of beautiful things came out of COVID as much as it has been, you know, a horrific year for many or majority but there are really beautiful things like there's no time like now and when what like time is such a gift and like you mentioned previously like you didn't have the time to work at the garden before the garden the farm before because you know you were exhausted with work and this gave you the opportunity to kind of like okay well I don't I don't know what I'm when I'm going to be working next so why not take advantage of this free time that I'm having right now and do something that I've always wanted to do. Absolutely. It was, yeah, very, and I was, yeah, I analyzed, you you get to analyze like your time and how you spend it and being able to like kind of reinvest my energy into some other place. And like, even today, now that like things are like picking up again, like now I feel like I've worked so differently. It's like, I have all these things that I care about and that I need to, do and like this is how I want to work rather than being like oh like I just I'm just kind of like a vessel for these like corporations to get shit done instead of like oh like I only I now am like only working in these spaces where like there is like regeneration and like advocating for these different communities and making sure that food is accessible and that there is awareness on like the toxic parts of the food industry and shifting um shifting into a more regenerative space because like we need it right now you know like there's all people are always talking about climate change and like all the issues with that and I like from like all my studies and research, it's just always come back down to food because so many communities have been displaced from their, their food and their land. They aren't able to have access to their food or their land and what they've cultivated. And it's been taken by corporations and like commodified that I if these people that can be responsible and obligated to the land and that they actually want to care and love the land and create something for the community, not just for a profit, that's what we need. We don't need more, less, we don't need um, to focus more on like more wind energy. We don't need to like put so much investment in like all these like 
acts. It needs to be like, we need to give power to people and equity to people in spaces who have this education from like hundreds, thousands of years of just like taking care of the land that's been like taken away over the last 400 years, you know? Um, so I guess that's what I'm like, that's what I'm passionate about. It's just like, and that's not even just like one person. It's like, it's like, I want everyone to feel obligated to the We're taking a quick break from that episode with a message from our sponsors over at Seedlip. Founded by Ben Branson in 2015, Seedlip marries his 300-year English farming heritage with a love of nature, flavor, and design. Seedlip is the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirits on a mission to change the way the world drinks by connecting people to the wonders of the natural world. As we continue to prioritize our health and well-being, Seedlip offers a welcome moment of pause to reflect, reset, refocus at the end of every day or week. Create space for yourself through these little rituals like winding down with a delicious non-alcoholic cocktail using the sophisticated alternative delivered directly to your door via seedlipdrinks.com slash CA. And just a reminder for lemon water listeners, you can use code lemonwater at checkout for 10% off your first order. Now back to our episode. Something that you said earlier was that the the, uh, the people that you're working alongside at the community farm, it's they have a passion for the food and how it's growing. And I think there's there's a really fine line and there's a difference between loving food because I think majority of the population, we love food. Like food is great. Food is fun. Food brings us together. But I, I do believe that it's really important for a, a lot of you know people to open their eyes and realize like, do you have a passion for understanding the food and understanding the soil, understanding where it's grown, understanding why it's important to eat seasonally versus not why it's important to, you know, take care of the land and, you know, take care of the communities where you're growing. And I, I think that maybe you can make a comment on this. I think it's a a very new wave. You see that there's a lot of new restaurants with that ideology, like using what's around you, using seasonally. And I think that it's on a lot of chefs to, to also like, take care and take pride in the, in what you're putting out in the world, especially when it comes to food and, you know, the importance of it. So yeah, I just like, I just have that thought. And I don't know if you, you share the same sentiment. Certainly. Yeah. And like, as a chef, I guess, like why I kind of like dissociated from it earlier a little bit is because like, I think I'm like, I just don't fit into like the, the like traditional chef place. And like how I feel about my title as a chef is like, I am responsible for the food of the future. Like, and like the food of today, I feel responsible to empower people to nourish themselves. And, you know, like, I think so much of like that traditional chef mindset is about like gluttony, you know, it's like, there's no story about the food. And if it is, it's really fetishized. It's like, look at this like ingredient. It's never like, okay, like this was made by these people who care about this and it was paired by this. See, like, you don't know like what it's made of, you know what it is, but you don't really know what it's made of and like what energy is truly in there. Um, like energy is not like a woo woo thing. It's like, it's very scientific. It transfers. It's not destroyed. So just being a chef means being 
kind of a vehicle for making sure that people are nourished and that they're eating good food that comes from a good place and that they know where it is and that they also not only are eating that good food, but they feel agency to make those decisions themselves and like be aware of um, what neighborhoods they do live in and like what issues that they are not even like, yeah, just like what issues are affecting them in the food space, you know, not just like, oh, I need to change this so I can help other people. But like, oh, like I, I am living in a food apartheid area and it does cause me to eat unhealthily because I don't have access to good food, you know, because people want to eat good food. Everyone wants to eat good food. And it's so sad to see that in like food apartheid areas that people just can't eat good food and seeing like at Phoenix Community Garden that this community, this community that comes to the garden is mostly black brown folks who have been like living in the neighborhood for years and they have dealt with like health issues and like since the garden started this farm stand you just see that they they love it and they love that they have access to these incredible produce items and stuff that's from local farms that we source for for the csa and the csa is like mega accessible like it's $14 for a weekly bag it's $7 for EBT and the majority of the community there is actually an EBT so it's like creating these like positive access systems and I felt really thankful like last year when I joined the farm stand that I was able to kind of help expand the opportunity we started bringing like amazing um baked goods from Limper Marie and Bushwick which is a French bakery but they're queer owned and they only use like local grains that they like fresh mill and like usually that quality of stuff isn't accessible to the black and brown community or marginalized communities but it's accessible because it's not only in that neighborhood now in brownsville uh ocean hill bedside area but um it's also accessible through ebt now which ebt is like so or like food stamps in the u.s is so problematic with like what food people have access to um but just expanding that farm stand and like making like so many things more accessible like i don't you know chris from tart or tart vinegar well, i know tart vinegar i don't know who chris is <laughs> you should she's amazing um we like she has vinegar at the farm stand now we have like different purveyors that are just like local and incredible and like focused on like health and delicious food so that's been like a joy to like work on and yeah it just has manifested into different spaces with like breaking bread and whatnot yeah so this past year two do you one one feel like you really are you have found your purpose in what you do truly I feel like I'm on a path that I'm like really proud of And which is beautiful. Again, that's something so ugly, like the pandemic had to bring that out. And two, it's, we keep hearing the notion of, you know, being in nature is like the most, it's like the best form of therapy. It supports like, you know, it improves anxiety and depression. And you really got to be in the dirt every single day, like working hands-on. So how do you, do you think you really reap the benefits of being outside every day through nature? I I do. I really do appreciate that. And like, 
because like coming from Portland, nature was like a part of my ritual. And moving to New York, I totally got thrown out of that and I didn't have access to nature. And like the pandemic being like thrown in that direction where like I was back in nature like more than ever since I was like a kid playing in the dirt, I was like now like, oh, I'm playing in the dirt with purpose now. Like I'm not just like fucking around. I'm not just playing and being a crazy imaginative kid. Now I'm being like a crazy intentional imaginative kid here. I'm just like sowing the seeds and feeling responsible over the earth, learning how to be responsible, not only for like the land, um, but like my own health and like actually having being able to like access like really good produce um in the new york area which is kind of unheard of um and then um also feeling responsible for the community and like making sure others had access to that because even though we're like on a small amount of land like we make so much food and nature is like my connection with nature i feel like has evolved since like just evolved in my life and not just being like a space where I'm able to preserve myself, but a space where I can preserve myself and inspire others to preserve themselves too. And like create a network community of like nourishment and whatnot, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You say that like the community garden, it's such a small plot of land, but it can produce so much. And like, for me, I feel like when everyone thinks of a farm, you think of this like acres and acres of land and like all this vegetation. But how much are you really producing? Like you're able to feed a whole community, which is so, so, so wild. And I think that's another thing that we need to pay attention to just how important community farms and gardens are because it doesn't take that much in order to like see a huge return and, you know, to be able to produce enough food to be able to give back and feed a community absolutely it doesn't and all it takes is like for one of us to go in there and like be present and like support isn't just supporting those systems is so important to like regenerating the land and like decolonizing the food space because like the way that supermarkets are set up is like not for the benefit of the people it's very much for like benefiting the middleman who has the money um and just they don't care about the food that goes in there you know they don't it's just like about having beautiful shelves and people come in and spend like lots of money on food that they that's not as delicious and nutritious as possible and what these community gardens do and the majority of them are in these uh, marginalized communities because you know like there is more land in those communities so people are trying to like create their own food because they can't like afford a lot of the food in the area or they don't see the food that they want in the area so um having these spaces is really important especially to marginalized folks and that support isn't yeah the support isn't just like being in the garden but like supporting your garden and if they have a csa program to really support that and consume your majority of your food through that um or donating to their programs um because they are really for the community and making sure that people are fed yeah and i will be more of these (laughs) i think i mean I feel like that's the only future, you know, like it it has to be happening and it has to, a lot more of it has to be coming up, especially in cities, because I feel like that's where a lot of the problems lie. But 
I really want to talk about breaking bread. Yeah, and it connects so well with the garden. So yeah, Breaking Bread is a volunteer-based organization um, founded. Co- I'm one of the co-founders. Um, there's five of us, right? One, two, yeah, five. I was like four other people. And five. There's five of us, and we're focused on, yes, Breaking Bread as like bringing the community together, um, but finding we're creating systems of change and like more circular economic models within the food system. And one of them being um, just grassroots fundraising, bringing um, food to people where you're doing a CSA weekly, um, a weekly CSA that is donated to um, a community of folks that we are like one of them. The most major one is DWU domestic woman um, in New York city. And we are donating about a hundred bags to them right now. Um, a week, a week, weekly days. And we do that through the community garden. So we focus on fundraising um, from our community, just very like, super grassroots. Like we all just kind of post about it and talk to our network of friends and people are able to donate, you know, like $14 or more, you know, whatever their heart desires. And, um, and at first when I wasn't so much a part of it, it was, we were doing mostly meals that we were supporting black, um, indigenous POC owned, um, restaurants in the area um, to make meals and donate to protesters at the time in June, July, August. And then because I've been at the community garden and then I kind of, I was, I more like fully took my volunteer position. I found more purpose in the organization and I was like, Hey, like Phoenix has these, this bag program. And like, I know we know communities of people who need food and not just meals, you know, people who are just hungry and they need healthy food on their tables um and we're able to forge this connection with phoenix and donate some bags to dwu and then we did a big winter drive um to really go for like a hundred folks and more um depending on like what we're doing so that was crazy because you raised like thirty thousand dollars in one month and that was like okay like let's try to do this and over the last nine months we've raised like about eighty thousand dollars which has been crazy and we're just really seeing that like the community cares like we like i we all can kind of say this now we're like the government isn't really doing much for people. The media isn't doing much for people. Like there's all these like systems that we've, that we've been invested in. And like, I think through the pandemic, we've just seen how these systems haven't been serving the community. And we're like, well, I know people who have these things and like, we are somewhat of a wealthy country. It's so divided here and just general, like Western world. It's so divided it's crazy how $14 can stretch a family for a week, you know, rather than like the typical average grocery bill is like probably $150, you know, and it's not even like, it's not even like healthy foods. It's like survival, like things that are healthy. So 
um, we wanted, we were like, okay, let's like go for it. And now we're kind of evolving into creating some more systems with restaurants where, um, like, you know, like chefs really do care about feeding people, but sometimes like having a restaurant makes it really hard because you're so worried about the tight margins, but you do want to give back. You don't have time, you don't have money. But one thing that chefs can do is make food. And one thing that the community can do is buy food from them. And um, we're, we've been like working on um, just like a program to allow people to kind of vote with their dollars with a network of restaurants in New York to, you know, like when you buy this item or if you buy certain things on certain days, like a portion of that's donated back to breaking bread. And we kind of did like a test ish run with that in December for two weeks for our bake sale. Um, and we raised like almost $5,000 in just like two weeks, which was incredible because you know, people love supporting restaurants. They love supporting local spaces. And you can just see how much change um, and how much can evolve from that, from just working together. And the restaurants, like, loved it because I think over the pandemic, restaurants have been exhausted because they've been asked to, like, donate so many things. And, you know, they can't, they can't afford that. They, they need to be supported themselves. And we've always wanted to create – we have – we've always had, like, this – place in mind where like we are supporting these marginalized community that part the marginalized community of chefs um to support folks so we want to make sure that everyone's getting paid and everyone is getting what they need to survive but also like creating like a circular economic model where you know you're investing but it's also going back and you can see where your money is going it's not just for the food but it goes to like the, sh- the restaurant to support the employees and like the overhead, but also like there's some that can go to um, folks who need food um, and how much that's like adding up. So that's like, and that's why it's also so important to sit it like to support community run initiatives, because again, it's like, I think everything in society moves in a circular motion, but when you don't know where all those endpoints kind of end up, it's like, there's a lot of things that are like unethical and not legit and something that you probably don't want to support. But when you're supporting people that, you know, people in your community, um, giving back it, you see where the dollar goes. And it, it's just, it's like, it makes you feel 100 times better. Yeah. The, the real vote is with your dollar, you know, like investing in your community and like really putting your money where your mouth is with like eating, but supporting people that you know and seeing that money move and seeing them prosper and seeing yourself just like find joy because without them, you're never going to have your favorite meal you know and without you having your favorite meal you know that other people can benefit from having from you having that meal you know so that's been a joy and like recently so many projects have been like coming back because now I think we're at a time it's been a year after corona started we're like okay like we can get back into things there's like people getting vaccinated and there's there's more people feel more comfortable you know now we're able to like live with these boundaries and 
Um, and we're work, gonna, work within them, you know, the boundaries still grow. We're not in a stagnant place. We're like, okay, I can step out. I can like move and I can set boundaries. Um, and, and how, how do you feel about that? I love it. I, I really love it because I think we're able to really change the way that we want to see our community now that we're all like kind of stepping out and we're not, people talk about the normal, but like, I don't want that again. Like I want us to really be intentional with how we interact with our community. I want us to stay in that. I want us to really sustain supporting our community spaces in like, you know, like in New York, especially like people live in Brooklyn, but they worked in Manhattan. So like, it was just like a work and like living situation. And now it's like, we all mostly, a majority of people are like working from home now. So you're able to really care about your community and like live, actually live in your like neighborhood and um, know, like know your community, know who they are. And I, I hope that never leaves. I hope it evolves into a really positive place. We're able to be like very productive. And I think we are because like now I'm back onto these like three restaurant projects and it's like, I'm really thankful to have had this experience for the past year to really understand like what a business should be now. Like what do people really need from a restaurant and an eatery? It's not just like a beautiful plate that they go and take. It's like, okay, but how, what aspects of the business can how can this business be like a part of that circular model, I guess, like integrating, like breaking bread back into it. Um, integrating, like, you know, like I love that restaurants have been like making people excited about eating at home these days now, like making it accessible to like have these different meals and not just for a one-time sitting thing, but like, Oh, like now I have like these ingredients or these snacks now that is that the chef made, I feel inspired and creating more of those elements that are like kind of pantry staples and kind of reinventing, um, like, you know, having, uh, eater, like just like a true eatery, like you can come down and sit and eat, but you can also like take home some favorite ingredients and pantry staples that we love um, into like a divine experience. That's like I love, I love what they're turning into. Like all these eat, like restaurant eateries are turning into like it's like a half half. It's like here's some grocery parts, like there's a grocery section, and then here's like where you would like sit down and eat. Yes. It's such a sanctuary and like outdoor eating. I don't, I don't know why that wasn't a thing before. Like, cause I spent, I spent so much time in Scandinavia cause my partner lives there and that's such a part of their culture because like it's cold all the time there and seeing that kind of evolve here and also like street food culture kind of come back cause it's been so democratized in the past and it loosening up the laws around it. Um, and just like seeing people kind of prosper in the food space more than anything, even though we were hit the most in the year, now we're kind of like at the center of everything. You see all these like huge companies and huge like brands and fashion brands, like really using food as a vehicle to communicate their message now. And it's, it's so beautiful because I think food is, food is going to change everything if we really vote with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so are you excited to get back into the restaurant space? And obviously take your learnings. You're going to be taking your learnings and applying it. But are you going to like, because I know you said you were so tired before. So are you going to prioritize working in the restaurant space or farming? 
Um, a mixture of both um, because like my restaurant work is like all consulting and just making sure that the systems are like working in the way that they're intended to and that we are like working with the right like brands and vendors and like employees are being treated right and whatnot. So I think it kind of will go hand in hand because like now I can like tie breaking bread into the restaurant and breaking bread supports the community garden and the community garden, you know, like there's so many things we produce there that could be used in different restaurant spaces. And like, it's not even just Phoenix. Like I want to create like more of a network with different community gardens in the area now, because it's just so needed for folks. I think folks are still kind of like looking to support more community gardens and like how we can kind of create like a system altogether and build this kind of like new age urban agriculture food space that's accessible to everyone. You know, I think that's definitely in the works in New York city. I think that's like kind of like the new, the new, the actual New York city that's coming. Oh, the new New York. (laughs) So for those that are listening, Tara, how can they get involved and support breaking bread? Um, what you can do is like and share and speak about food sovereignty and if you can donate to breaking bread if you are in the new york area or if new york feels really special to you and you want to sustain the marginalized communities that have been affected by like gentrification in the area but i also just advise you to find other food spaces like breaking bread in your city and connect with your community gardens and organizations that are focused on food sovereignty um because it it takes us all and really focus on your community focus on your community and how much you love it and what you can contribute to it i guess yeah and also you can email us and volunteer we're we have such a network of volunteers that um of different creative spaces and it's you know, like we have different designers and videographers and artists and other consultants and developers. And we're all like just taking our, you know, our skills that we do get paid for. And applying it. Yeah. And applying it into like a volunteer space. And that feels really beautiful because you're able to like really access your community on a professional level and like and that's also that is also giving back it's giving back your time and your expertise to the community as well absolutely like your value is not just tied to your jobs your value is tied to your community you know i mean like job is a community but you know so much more than that where we're able to like see how this like I, I feel like we're like really evolving into like this true digital space that we've all been kind of in for like the last 20 years I feel like we're really like getting into this like digital world we're able to manifest anything we want and like create what we envision and like also apply it into like the physical world it's very it's very lucid right now I love it yeah yeah <laughs> So before we go, I still want to talk about some things about you. So how are you staying grounded right now? Um, I am been 
resting a lot. Um, I just moved into my first solo apartment. So congratulations. Thank you. Yes. It's been like stressful, but I, what I like to do is just have like rituals with myself and surround myself with people that I love and um, that's how I'm staying grounded. I keep it simple and I try to eat good food and not like pressure myself to do anything. Cause I know like it's winter, it's time. It's like, I mean, winter's almost over thankfully, like in a few days, but I can't believe it. It's like, feel like 2022 is like tomorrow. I know. I mean, by the time everyone's going to hear this, it's earth month and you know, spring is sprung and I will not be in my preservation mode as soon as the sun hits my skin. <laughs> She's out. I don't know how to sleep. I just, I'm like, I'm out. I'm about, I'm moving. Everything. So, sunshine. Sunshine, be grounded, good food, water, drinking, spa days. Decorating. So, what are your, what are your, some of your favorite rituals? Um, I have a rainbow mushroom lattes. I make herbal lattes um, with mushrooms. And what's your favorite mushroom right now? I I love them all. <laughs> I love. Okay, no, I love adding cordyceps when I'm like, okay, let's let's go. Let's let's go. pick up the energy, people. Yes, I love chaga love chaga for my and i love the oh the new turkey tail i already feel so good like i haven't opened it yet i haven't opened it yet you will it's it's incredible it feels like my it feels like my lattes have been getting more full circle with that too i'm like the whole family's here um another ritual i love i love to clean um i'm very much like a homebody wife i love to clean too but i recently found out that cleaning is a form a really big form of like anxiety um oh oh my god what is that word procrastination Mm, yes I and I was like wait that makes sense I could like like I when I get into the zone I'm like cleaning cleaning but it's because I'm avoiding doing things no and cleaning sometimes is like an OCD which I have and I it's a learned behavior which I got from my father interesting but I try to embrace I try not to overdo it like him like I'm very much like now been like letting go more and being like okay when I have time and try to use it as like a therapy um, like a therapeutic energy. And then another thing I love doing is I love making face masks and I love just having like spa evenings in the night. Like I love to just like really take it in and do like face masks. I love using my redo. I love moisturizing my body and just making an ambiance. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just love having my own space now. I feel like I'm able to like truly access my more of my purpose and like being well and living well and being taking care of yourself exactly and creating my sanctuary and like making sanctuary for others yeah I was gonna ask you how are you taking care of yourself but you you answered that question (laughs) um what are you most looking forward to in the coming months other than spring of course Yes, you know, I'm really excited to eat kale from the garden. I'm excited to 
work on my different restaurant projects. Um, I'm really excited to like really re like integrate all of what I've learned in the last year into like dream eateries. Um, like doing that work and I'm excited to spend time with friends more in in the sun. I know we were saying the sun, we already acknowledged it, but I can't not acknowledge it even more. I know. Do everything. It makes you, it brings you, it brings you joy. I think the sun brings everyone joy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Um, I'm excited to come to New York and I'm excited to just be with important human beings in my life. And yeah, that's it. But I like, I, I feel like I've been, I've always say like, take it day by day, but it's gotten to the point that it's like, we, we need to, there needs to be like something to look forward to. And so like you mentioned previously, I'm just excited to, I'm looking forward to, the world post this past year and like taking everything we've learned and all of our, you know, experiences and applying them and for people to be really living their truth, but also in a very holistic and wholesome way. Yeah. I think in the last year we all really learned how to dream again, like true dreams, not like I, not like idealism, but like, yeah, like holistic dreaming. Like we're like, what would make me feel good? And not just like, what would my ego want? It's like, no, what would I, what do I need to feel good? And I think, okay, like, thank you for saying that because me personally, like I, I've never been a materialistic person, but I think I'm noticing a lot more people in my life, like shy away from that materialistic, like, like, really temporary gratification of like getting something into okay like what makes you feel good spending time with people living well yeah yes yes yeah 100 and that is the trajectory for my energy this year i'm like i just want to live well and i want others to live well exactly 100 percent. 100 percent. thank you so much for chatting with me i've wanted to have you on here forever um and yeah any other takeaways for those listening you can support tara and breaking bread and does phoenix have an instagram account they do phoenix community garden okay so follow everyone on social and to be up to date on what is happening and what's going on and also look look into what's going on in your community as well Mm -hmm. yes and thank you so much for having me here thank you all for listening to me i hope that you are living well i hope that i love that this space is a space of positive wellness and i appreciate you for having me here and yeah I love this.